The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy NBA Draft Day, everyone, or as we call it here in old man land on the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Wednesday. I kid. I mean, I sort of kid, but you guys know me well enough at this point to know that I don't really pay attention to the NBA draft outside of, you know, is a team going to get better or worse? That's really more my angle with it because for the most part, I ain't drafting these guys. You guys know my rules. If you're joining us here for the first time, and this is your first go-round with this podcast talking about young NBA players, we dodge about 96% of them. There's always the one guy. Now, last year, it was uh, Brandon Clark. Basically, I need to be coerced into taking a shot on a rookie. It's usually a rookie big man with the ability to knock down some free throws. that's That tends to be the weird little needle threading we do with rookies. I never, never draft a rookie guard. I never do it. Because they're always going to get overhyped and underperform. They're going to have turnovers. They're going to have poor percentages. There's all these things that go into it. There's a massive learning curve. Sometimes they get good by the end of the year. Usually it takes a little bit longer. Uh, rookie wings tend to not have the usage you would need so maybe they're okay but they tend to be lack I mean again there's the percentage of stuff that usually creeps in and then there's other stuff that just sort of hasn't really materialized yet the one area where we make the exception is rookie big man who can hit free throws because that's an ability to create a little bit of upside they don't need the ball in their hands Presumably, they're going to go to a team where a guard is going to get them better looks near the bucket so they can just convert, have a good field goal percent, grab some rebounds, jump around, commit some fouls, get a couple of blocks in the process, and do enough to sort of squeeze fantasy value in there. Now, uh, if there's a rookie big man that falls into that category that's you know ex- mega hype, like a Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Davis, guys like that, if you're looking back over the last decade or so, those dudes can actually be really intriguing draft day values if you're willing to sort of roll the dice on them. Generally, where we make our exception are the slightly lesser-known rookie big men who are moving into, say, uh, a situation where they can excel without too much being asked of them. But for the most part, you know, happy Wednesday today because... I'll be watching the draft. I'll be watching to see where guys are going just because I have, you know, morbid curiosity, whatever you want to call it. But from a fantasy standpoint, it really isn't a blip on my radar. I'm more interested in the trades that are not happening over the last 24 hours, but tons of them on Monday, Monday evening for the most part. I'm more interested in where guys might end up in free agency. There's a lot that needs to shake out there. So... You know, today is kind of a gap-bridging sort of day to get us to free agency on Friday. The 
The Hoop Ball Draft Guide, we're going to start by hitting you with that one. The Hoop Ball Draft Guide has dynasty ranks in it. I don't know if I've told you guys that on this podcast before. The Hoop Ball Draft Guide has your dynasty ranks, which it really falls in parallel, in conjunction with this NBA Draft Day. So if you're thinking about what to do with your dynasty leagues, if you got your dynasty draft coming up, the Hoop Ball Draft Guide has you covered. They are terrific. Best dynasty ranks you'll find anywhere. Hoop Ball Draft Guide. Get it in the Fantasy Pass. Don't get the draft guide by itself. That's silly. That's $20. That's a flat rate for $4.99 a month split over six months. Not only do you get the draft guide, you also get the Brewski 150 early release and in-season tools for all six of those months. Then it continues at $4.99 a month, uh, month to month after that. That's the HoopBall Fantasy Pass available at hoop-ball.com. Again, Get it today, $4.99 a month. I will tell you guys that until my ears are bleeding. So that's me now asking you to get something from us. Here's something fun we're doing back. Hoopball Leagues, they are open. I think I spent a bunch of time on them yesterday, but I'll give you the quick hit again today. Nine category, they're all nine category this year. The hope was that we were going to start adding more stuff, but of course with COVID and the short turnaround, we just kind of ran out of time on that front. Uh, Next year, we'll add some different formats. Nine-category Roto free, nine-category head-to-head free, and both of those also, Roto and head-to-head, we have $50 buy-in leagues. They are at Fantrax because that allows us to run them without actually having a team in every single one of those leagues. And a lot of guys keep keep asking me, like, hey, if there's a spot left, I'll take it. Guys, there are spots left. Again, we just keep opening leagues as long as people keep coming to us. We already have five head-to-head cash leagues that are almost full. We have three free head-to-head leagues, and we have two each of Roto Free and Roto Cash that are open already, and we just opened these things a couple days ago. So we're just going to keep adding them. We have no problem with having, you know, know, I don't know what I said, like 12 or 13 leagues right now. We have no problem with having 25 or 30 leagues if that's what it takes. We just want a lot of you guys to be playing together, having a fun time, building this hoop ball community, uh, and doing it in a way where, you know, you're fighting against other folks that really do take their fantasy seriously. These are good leagues. Even the free leagues, the participation, I was looking at some of the number of moves made as a way of kind of gauging participation, and it was significant. It was significant. So uh, well done by everybody last year, and they're going to be great again. So hit me up. You can reach me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. Give me a follow, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. My DMs are open. If you wanted to shoot me a message that way, you can tweet at me. I don't care. Or send an email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. I think four or five of you wrote in that way yesterday. So that is open. I have access to that email account, so I can get you hooked up with our buddy Andre, who's working on placement for the leagues this year. So again, that's teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Or hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. The one thing we didn't get to cover on Monday that I want to cover right out of the shoot today is the Bogdan Bogdanovich sign-and-trade deal. We discussed all of the traditional trades that went down on Monday morning and Monday night, the Chris Paul deal obviously being a huge one, Drew Holiday for Eric Bledsoe, and George Hill being another big one, Rob Covington for Trevor Reza. Obviously, there are picks involved in these things as well, but that's less critical for our fantasy's sake. The other things I think we need to, we need to hit on, in addition to the Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, projected sign-and-trade with the Bucks and the Kings, is uh, all the James Harden stuff going on. We kind of glossed over that on yesterday's show because nothing had happened yet, truly, and we're still kind of in uh, a a moment of stasis on 
that front. So let's talk about Harden first. I think this is an easier one right now. Uh, most notably, this puts a draft day cloud over a handful of players because we know Harden wants to go to Brooklyn. Brooklyn is trying to get him. Uh, Houston doesn't really want what Brooklyn is offering right now, whether it's the combination of players or the combination of picks or some weird you know, combination of both of those things. Houston wants more. They want something that they, they don't want to go into a massive rebuild because it will take forever. If you're getting picks from, say, a team like Brooklyn or another team we've heard thrown into the mix, Philadelphia, they're probably not going to be very good. You're not going to get that number one or number two overall guy that can change your franchise quickly. It will be a slow plod back to relevance, and I don't think they want that. Much as Tillman Fertitta wants to get the the club under the luxury tax and presumably I mean, <laughs> having a combination of Harden and Westbrook on your team was not a great path to that. Uh, this team is best served, at least in the short term, by trying to stay relevant, by getting playoff money for the franchise, by winning basketball games, by keeping people's interest. Because if they really do detonate this thing and get bad... In the Western Conference, you don't just go back to being good overnight. It takes a long time. Their fluky situations. Looks like Pelicans might do a quicker turnaround getting the number one pick. Grizzlies have done well with their turnaround, although I will say I think Memphis overachieved for most of last year, and you'll see them capped a bit this season. They're not going to surprise anybody this year. So, you know, for Houston, the other rumor we saw it, and we'll... we'll We'll, we'll dig into both of these here in one segment, is uh, Russell Westbrook for John Wall, which was a joke we made on this podcast last week. I was like, hey, here's two guys making $40 million that don't deserve it. Why don't they just flip? Yeah, I don't think that's happening. That doesn't make any sense for either team, so I wouldn't worry about that. And even if they did move, it doesn't change much. Westbrook would become slightly more valuable outside of Houston there. Uh, John Wall, you know, we don't even really know what he's going to be coming back from massive injuries but yeah I wouldn't worry too much about that one I think the cloud you have to worry about here hangs most notably over James Hart because no matter where he goes his role will be smaller than it is with the Rockets the Rockets were built around him he had all the usage he could possibly chew up he had Westbrook who was taking nights off as his lead teammate he had Chris Paul who was hurt as his lead teammate so the last half decade James Harden's been able to take anywhere from, you know, 22 to 30 shots a game, and no one has said anything. If he's going to Brooklyn, he ain't getting that many shots. It ain't going to be Harden ISO with everybody standing around. If he goes to Philadelphia, it's the same thing. Joel Embiid is going to get shots. Tobias Harris is going to get shots. Depending on who goes back the other way, presumably Ben Simmons would be headed back to Houston, but, you know, does he go with, like, a Josh Richardson, or is there a third team involved? We don't know the, the moving pieces there, but suffice to say... Uh, Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris together chew up more usage than any pair of players James Harden has played with since Russell Westbrook and KD in Oklahoma City. His value goes down. And his value goes down quickly because everything he does is tied up in usage. Everything. His field goal percent is the only thing that becomes less of a negative. There's no way he goes to a place where you're like, oh, well, James Harden's just going to go from a 44.5% field goal guy to like 47. It's not going to happen. 
So you take the ball out of his hands for a couple of possessions every game. That's big. Free throws down, which is a big positive for him. Scoring, threes, assists, all of that goes down. Rebounding likely goes down on a team that actually has a big man. Wherever he goes, whether it's DeAndre Jordan or Joel Embiid. I don't know that James Harden is the consensus number one in nine category leagues anymore. Knowing that Houston is willing to go into the season with him disgruntled, meaning rest days, less effort. And if he gets moved, his value tanks. Tanks might not be the right word, but to go from being sort of no one close to him as number one guy besides Anthony Davis to even a a beat-up resting Anthony Davis has a shot to beat him. Steph Curry would have a shot to beat him. Cat would have a shot to beat him. This to me is, is... You know, the big news from all of this is that Harden's value is a red arrow pointed down right now. Scares the hell out of me. This is the first year I think I haven't wanted the number one pick in a draft in about the last three or four years. Last last couple of years, if you were able to get Harden or AD in your draft, you had such a massive built-in advantage. And people are like, well, you have to wait a long time to get your second round pick. Yeah, but here's the thing. The difference between pick one and two to, say, pick seven is a lot bigger than the difference between pick 18 and pick 23 or something like that. The difference between Vooch and, and, you know, Joel Embiid last year was microscopic as the difference between James Harden and, uh, I don't know, who, who was in there? Hassan Whiteside? Jokic? Massive. You always wanted a first couple of picks. It's a huge advantage in fantasy the last few years. I don't know if it's going to be now. This shortened season. Because AD's going to have rest days. Harden's looking at having a worse situation. Cat is coming off of injury. Steph is coming off of injury. Giannis can't hit free throws. What are you doing there now? That may be our discussion on tomorrow's show. Tomorrow might have to be the new top five. On Fantasy NBA Today. But we got too much news to get through today. So uh, we'll, we'll put that on slight hold. Uh... The Harden is the only one, not the only one now with a little bit of a cloud hanging over them because guys headed back the other way. You have to r- sort of rejigger how you're handling those guys. Someone like a Ben Simmons, let's say that the trade ends up going to Philadelphia uh, because, I mean, frankly, if you're Houston, you want the best player coming back. And the best player you could get coming back from either of those teams is Ben Simmons. He's far superior to Karis LeVert or Spencer Dinwiddie which would be the two best players you could get coming back from the Brooklyn Nets. Far superior. Houston making a trade with Philly keeps them a better team. Keeps them, you know, if they don't move Westbrook at that point, they're probably still in the playoffs in the West. Replacing Harden with Ben Simmons and whatever it is, Josh Richardson or something like that. Houston's probably still a playoff team in the Western Conference. You place Harden with Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie, and they're not a playoff team anymore. Even even if they keep Westbrook, I don't think they make the play. Or maybe they're fighting for the eighth seed. So, as you look at someone like Ben Simmons, you have to try to figure out what does this mean. Well, if he stays in Philadelphia, we have a pretty good idea what his role is. He's, He's a relatively safe asset. If he moves to Houston, I don't think that you change things all that much. A little bit more might actually fall on his plate. So I would say there's a tiny bit of upside there. Same deal if, if someone like a Richardson gets moved. Uh, same deal for the guys in Brooklyn. 
And that, to me, is actually the bigger deal because Richardson and Simmons are almost definitely going to get drafted in every league. I would venture to say that Karis LeVert will be drafted in every league. Spencer Dinwiddie is... Uh, maybe I wouldn't, at least before all of this stuff started coming out, knowing he was behind Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and really kind of behind Karis LeVert, mostly just because Karis can play a position that KD and, and Kyrie aren't playing. And Dinwiddie's value was always tied up in him have you know going for like 20 and 10 with horrible percentages. If the percentages stay... Okay, field goal percent. If the field goal percent stays atrocious, which there's almost no question it will, him having minimal usage means he was going to have minimal value. Now, this news, the Harden stuff, the fact that Brooklyn is the preferred destination means that Dinwiddie would be headed back to Houston, and there he would have value. I think even with Westbrook, I, I reckon they would probably play all three of those guys together. Spencer, Russ, Karras, Maybe one of them comes off the bench, but either way, they're all playing 30-plus minutes a game. So this maybe now moves Dinwiddie into the, I would consider it. You know, the problem with him is that his his game is actually just not as fantasy-friendly as folks might want it to be. He was number 154 last year, despite averaging 21-7 and seven and two three-pointers a game. He had three categories where he was pretty darn good. But there are nine categories. Three and a half rebounds, not good. 0.6 steals, 0.3 blocks, 41.5% on high volume, not good. Only 78% at the free throw line and almost three turnovers a game. In 31 minutes a night. Like, that's very, he could replicate that in Houston, but as you're seeing here, that's not good. That's not good enough. So a lot of people, I think, are going to be jumping on Dinwiddie under the impression that he's going to get moved to Houston. I don't really care about it. Even if he does get moved, that those numbers are actually more of a drag on your Roto team. Head-to-head, you could make the argument that they help because, you know, pack them in there for the right number of games. Field goal percent is very fluky in head-to-head. Roto... He's just not that good. He's he's Lou Williams in another uniform. Oddly enough, those guys were 154 and 155 in nine category leagues last year. Lou Williams averaged 18 and 6. Dinwiddie was 21 and 7, but Lou a far better free throw percent. That was the difference there. They both couldn't shoot. They both were on high volume. Neither one did anything defensively. Neither one rebounds. These are guys that are going to be... A, hyperinflated by assists and points in people's mind's eye, but in reality, they're actually not very good in fantasy. So I think I'm still out on Dinwiddie this coming year. Um, you could definitely make the argument for Karis LeVert, who was I was probably going to be out on, frankly, playing alongside KD and Kyrie, but if there's now the possibility he gets moved, that's a guy you can probably squat on because he'll be doing stuff before he gets traded. Now, mind you, he has his issues too. Lavert was number 171 last year on 19-4-4 and with defensive stats, but he was so terrible in both percentages that that sunk him. But I don't care. I mean, if he goes to a place where his usage is huge, that'll just outweigh the bad field goal percent. It will. It'll just blow it out. He'll be good enough to erase it. Those guys are both going to get overdrafted. Um... 
And truth be told, the most interesting piece to me in all of this talk around Harden and Westbrook is Jared Allen, who's set to play probably 20 backup minutes to DeAndre Jordan in Brooklyn based on the fact that DJ is, you know, buddy-buddy with KD and Kyrie. He's going to be the guy that gets playing time because he's the veteran, the, the proven winner, the, 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 old, the grizzled old man. And Jared Allen's going to be sweeping in there, and if he gets hot, he'll maybe get more minutes than DeAndre on any given night. But if that's the guy that gets moved, if he's in a package going to Houston, if they're unloading him, I mean, you guys know the Rockets don't have anyone on their roster over six foot eight. Throw Jared Allen on that team, he's playing 30 minutes, and he's a top 50 guy easily. I mean, Jared Allen last year was number 81 in 26 and a half minutes a game while fighting with DeAndre Jordan. 11 points, 10 rebounds, uh, 1.9 defensive stats. Not really much from the free throw line, but possible area for improvement. Give him an extra four minutes a game and an opportunity for a consistent playing time. Maybe get him a point guard. I mean, even if Westbrook is still there, even if it's just, even if it's Dinwiddie going with him, uh, Get him a, a, a point guard that's going to be looking for him to take more than six and a half shots a game. I mean, I could see Jared Allen on Houston going for 14 and 11 with almost two blocks a night. That's the guy. Buried the lead here on this discussion. That's the guy that would see the greatest upward mobility. Are you willing to sit on him if no trade has happened going into opening night? You have to be aware that that's basically a dead roster spot. I don't think you're starting him playing him 20 minutes a game. That's outside the top 100. That's sort of dead weight. You can find guys like that on the waiver wire. But if you're willing to wait it out a month, month and a half, two months, whatever it takes to get him shipped out, he could be a crushing monster the second half of this season. I'd consider it because there aren't that many guys that you can be like, this guy, if he gets moved, he just dunks and there's nothing standing in his way if he ends up on the Rockets. On the Bogdan Bogdanovich front, uh, oh, by the way, go to manscaped.com. Use coupon code HOOPBALL20 on whatever you get over there. Got our brand new deal with our buddies at manscaped.com. Let's just blow it out of the water here early. Uh, HOOPBALL20, get 20% off and free shipping on your order of any of the Manscaped line of products. The Lawnmower 3.0, the Weed Whacker, that's ear and nose hair trimmer. And, of course, the Luxury Nail Kit, the Shears 2.0. So nice, so posh. Hoopball twenty, all one word. H W O P B A L L two zero. The number's two zero, not the word. Hoopball twenty. Twenty percent off free shipping with our buddies over at manscaped.com. Clean yourself up, you disgusting lout. Let's talk Bogdan Bogdanovich trade. And I said it on yesterday's show, and I, I I teased the notion that we're calling it the Bogdan Bogdanovich trade. But for fantasy purposes, we should probably be calling it the Dante DiVincenzo trade. Let that sink in for a second. I know Bogdan was number 95 this last year, and I know DiVincenzo was number 125. So by all accounts, Bogdanovich, who scores better, has the bigger name, he's the one that's getting all the play here. I don't know that this makes the Bucks that much better. He's a better shooter, so, you know, they get their floor spacing that they wanted. And, they, you know, the Bucks have plenty on the defensive side, so, you know, losing a little bit of DiVincenzo there is a thing. 
But, you know, make no mistake, DiVincenzo now is going to see playing time in Sacramento. There's a logjam with the Kings. Now they've got Buddy Heald. They've got Harrison Barnes if he has to slide down and play the three. But DiVincenzo, this was not a throw-in. This was the guy they wanted in that trade. So Bogdan now goes to Sacramento where he's the fourth, fifth option on the offensive side. Not interested in him in the slightest playing alongside Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez. Sure, he'll be efficient, but his usage is going to be in the toilet. Not that Dante DiVincenzo is going to see a massive spike in usage in Sacramento, but certainly more than it was in Milwaukee and on a team that's going to give him more than 22 minutes a game. Because remember, he was number 125 in 23 minutes a game. Bogdan Bogdanovich was number 95 in 29 minutes a game. If you flip those two minute-per-game numbers, DiVincenzo, I mean, forget flipping. Let's just talk per 36s. Dante blows Bogdan out of the water based on last year's per 36s. DiVincenzo was at 1.3 steals in 23 minutes a game. Uh, Per 36 there is basically adding another 50% to everything he's doing, which takes him from 9 points to 13.5 or 14 points. Five rebounds, that goes up to six, seven and a half. Three assists. Could he really get near two steals? It's possible. 0.5 blocks, something in that neck of the woods. Two three-pointers. Throw those all together. What if I just read off that list? I said, okay, let me give you a guy averaging 14 points, six and a half rebounds, three assists, two three-pointers, almost two steals a game. You'd be like, that guy's good. And I'd be like, yeah, that guy's an easy top 75. Uh, that guy could be Dante DiVincenzo this year. I think he's going to see playing time in Sacramento. I think they're going to work him in pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, like, there's no reason not to be excited about that part of this trade. And I think you'll be able to get him pretty damn late in drafts, too. Uh, there will be a little bit of buzz around him because of this trade. Uh, and there should be. I think people are underestimating, actually, how useful he could be in fantasy this year. Because Bogdan Bogdanovich was slated to probably play like 32, 33 minutes a game in Sacramento. That just got jettisoned out. The the Kings contract situation got, I guess you could say, a little bit less goofy. Um, But Kent Bazemore was always coming off the books. Friend, friend of the program, Kent Bazemore. So that loosens things up. So Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kent Bazemore out. And uh, Dante DiVincenzo in. Which is good. Because, you know, how much is Corey Joseph going to play at the two or the three? Not very much. Darren Fox, he's going to chew up almost all the minutes at the one. Uh, you know, you look at, to me, you look at the roster and you're like, there isn't, you know, the most of the log jamming is, is three, four, and five. Buddy Heald and DiVincenzo are going to get the minutes at the two for the most part and some at the three. And I just, you know, I, I could see him playing 28 minutes a game. So I like him. He's not going to come out and put up top 40 numbers or anything like that, but he's a guy I think you could probably get between 100 and 130. That's probably going to break that mark. Got a nice little bit of an old man stat set going, doesn't he? Yeah, he fits into that bucket.
MyBookie.ag. This is our our last promo of the show. MyBookie.ag, a longtime partner now of us here at HoopBall. They were with us in January and February before the shutdown. They've been back since July. They've got props on the NBA draft tonight. You guys might want to check those out. Who's going to be the overall first pick? Right now, Anthony Edwards is at minus 170. I have a... Don't know anything about any of this stuff, but a lot of people do. How many freshmen drafted in the top 10? Uh, How many international players drafted in the top 10? ACC players, Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, SEC players. There's props coming out of our ears. If you know anything about the NBA draft, mybookie.ag has an opportunity for you to make some money on that knowledge. Go there now. Sign up using promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. Throw in that first deposit. Minimum deposit, by the way, with Bitcoin is 25 bucks. With credit card is 45 bucks. And start winning money now. Cashing out is easy as well. E-check. Minimum uh, withdrawal is 50 bucks on e-check. It's, I believe, lower than that on Bitcoin. Oh, I haven't, I haven't triple-checked that one. It's simple. They are fast. Everything, it, we're in a, a world now where it's just easy to bet online with mybookie.ag. Again, promo code over there is hoopball. Mybookie.ag is the website. You're going to love it. It's it's so simple, user-friendly. Check it out immediately. Oh, and you can play in the free blackjack tournaments, which I actually had a little bit of luck going yesterday, and then it ran out quick. I, I was building up my bankroll, and then I lost like six hands in a row, and it's just boom, flame out. But you know what? Don't Doesn't matter, because it cost me nothing to get into the tournament at a chance to win up to you know a prize pool of $10,000. They do this every week. One of these times, I'm going to get lucky and win 700 bucks, and then I'll be like, see, told you guys so. Doesn't cost me anything. A couple of minutes of my time, play a little fun blackjack. It's a good time. What's the clock say? Half an hour? Yeah, we got time for a little bit more stuff. Um, In terms of NBA news, the last day or so was relatively quiet. The Thunder declining some options on guys. The Nuggets extending an, uh, an offer. Uh, to Tory Craig, apparently there was a rumor circulating that the Bulls were trying to trade up from the four to the two spot in this coming draft. Uh, yeah, there's nothing. Eh, big fat nothing. So we don't have to worry too much about that, which means we can dive back in and do one more round of ADP analysis from our buddy uh, over at Hidden Upside on Twitter. We got through the first 48 on Friday and then I believe on Monday's show. So let's do the next 12 in this ADP chart and see where it leaves us. This one was interesting to me, by the way. ADP of 50 on Chris Middleton. I think he ends up going earlier than that for the most part. I mean, this year, uh, his percentages were about as good as they can get. He was basically a 50-40-90 guy, and he was number 30 uh, if you include the bubble and the playoffs, but we don't want to do that, so let's readjust the timeline while we're doing the podcast live on air. This is how you talk through making changes so that people don't get too bored. He was number 24 pre-bubble in 55 games, 21.6 boards, 4 assists. Uh, You know, I do think that he takes a slight step back, but all the way to 50 would really surprise me. I think he goes earlier than that. Um, But if he has fallen that far, then, yeah, you sort of have no choice but to take him. Miles Turner was uh, actually number 50. Middleton, I should say, was 49. His ADP was 50, but that actually is the 49th in order. Uh, Miles Turner was the 50th on the list, and that's fine. I think we pretty much know who he is now. He was number 51 pre-bubble, 
12 points, 6.5 rebounds, 2.2 blocks. That's just who he is playing alongside Demonis Sabonis. That's who he is. It's a very safe get in near 50. Mitchell Robinson near 51. I might go higher than that. He was number 50 this last year. He and Miles Turner were right next to each other. Uh, but Mitch Rob was playing 23 minutes a game. Every second, every extra second he's out on the court, his value jumps. He was at 10.7 rebounds, 2 blocks, 0.9 steals, 74% from the field. Throw him out there for an extra 2 minutes a game, he could leap almost a round of value. Like, put him at 12 and 8 with 2.2 blocks. You go quick, especially with the block shots. Rebounds and block shots, you add a few of those to his numbers. Uh, I like Miles Turner this year. I'm very curious where some of the early Yahoo mock drafts have him lined up. I, I think it could be near 50 and he would be a guy I'd target then near the end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth round, for sure. Same with this guy, Clint Capella, another faller. His injury and his trade last year crushed his value, but he was number 22 before the injury and the trade. He only played in 39 games, which hurt, and he has been being, you know, a bit dinged up in his career. But he was basically a 14-14 and 14 guy last season with good defensive stats, big field goal percent, horrible free throw numbers, but... You sort of deal with that if you're getting a guy at 50 that has a per-game upside near 20. How are these guys down here? I believe that one, actually. I think everybody's forgotten about Clint Capella, and I think people have forgotten a bit about Mitch Robb. Jalen Brown, uh, number 53 on the board. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's fine. Like, that doesn't excite me in any meaningful way. He was number 69 last year. I don't know how much better he gets. I think he's going to get overdrafted because he scores the ball relatively well. And I love Jalen Brown. He's a Cal Bear. Uh, maybe the smartest man in the NBA. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to draft him earlier. If his free throw number goes from 74 to 80. That's a way he could move forward. A little bit too early for me. Uh, Devontae Graham at 54. This is a number that's being yanked forward by eight category results. There's no question about that. Of course, um, his, you know, he's number 77 in nine cat, but he was near number 50 in eight cat with three turnovers a game. I do think he gets a little bit better. I like actually this spot to take him in an eight category league, probably a little bit early for my taste in nine because you're wiping out the growth potential. Christian Wood went at 55. We still have to wait and find out where he ends up, but I know folks are pretty excited about him this year. And, and certainly I would be, there's a lot of places he could go where he'd be a top 50 guy. Unfortunately, we just, we don't know where he's gonna be and if you have your draft when you don't know where he's gonna be you probably do have to just take a risk that he's gonna go in this neck of the woods i do worry though much as i also like the uh christian wood potential stat set here is you know could he be someone that pushes near to the top 40 yeah the fact that we have to take him near 50 and we don't even know where he is yet probably doesn't augur all that well for getting him at a value price on draft day. He's going to be one of those guys you just have to pay for if you want him, which tend to be guys I don't draft, but we'll see. Let's see where he ends up. Let's see where he ends up. I don't want to write him off yet because I would love to have him on my fantasy team. I just, I don't know that I'm going to be able to afford it. Ricky Rubio, number 56, uh, in Oklahoma City now, yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, you know, I, I think you wipe out a lot of his potential value. He was number 61 with Phoenix last year. I don't know that he gets a ton better. Maybe a little bit with just a tiny bit more to do in OKC. Uh, 
I also think that there's an eight cat element here. He probably doesn't go quite this early in nine category leagues. This is about as early as I would consider taking him in a nine category league. So hopefully he goes a little bit later than this. Here's an interesting one. Kemba Walker at 57. How the mighty have fallen. Now, I'll give you, Kemba had a bad year. Played in only 50 games, averaged 31.8 minutes a game, 21, 4, and 5, which is fine. A steal, half a block. He was number 42 in nine category leagues last year. And was getting worse as the season progressed. He just, he wasn't on the court much. When he was, he was hurt. So you go into this one, and he's, he's a huge red flag. Before we have any data on where guys are getting drafted, immediately Kemba Walker is a red flag guy. Like, look, I don't, I don't think I want anything to do with this dude. And then we get this early data that shows he's going at the end of the fifth round. And suddenly I'm like, well, <laughs> I didn't want anything to do with this dude because I thought he was going to be going in the 30s or 40s. But now he's going near 60. The guys you're debating against here, look, you have Kemba Walker still on the board, and you're like, okay, should I go Kemba or, you know, uh, CJ McCollum? I think you could make a really good case to just try Kemba. Especially, again, like we're at the end of the fifth round. If you've been careful through your first four, the way that we almost always are, this might be an opportunity to say, look, like this is a guy that I know with a good season could actually be a second or third round pick. Most of the other dudes left at this point, you can't say that about. Even though I love him. Like, Jonas Valanciunas is the next guy on the board. You guys know I love JV, but he can't be a second round pick. He just can't. He was great last year, and he was number 47. That's about as good as it's going to get for JV. And he could very well replicate that, which also, by the way, makes him a good nine-category pick near 60. But just in terms of pure upside... If you really want to swing for the fences, Kemba near there is not crazy at all. Kemba in the 30s and 40s is a little nuts. Kemba at 60 is a very different story. Two rounds later, if you were sitting at 35 and you're like, well, should I take, you know, Rob Covington, Kyle Lowry, Drew Holiday? Well, Drew, a little bit of a different story now. Uh, Siakam, Freddie Van Vliet, or Kemba? It's not really a question. Those other guys are going to play their nuts off, and they're going to be great. But two rounds later, you're debating between Kemba, Jalen Brown, Ricky Rubio, Christian Wood, JV. Mm, a case now starting to get built. Curious to see his ADP on Yahoo when those come out. By the way, uh, Yahoo put out a, a statement. Their ADP data is going to come out a week from today. So next Wednesday, we'll know what the first few thousand mocks reveal in where guys are getting drafted. I already told you number 58 is JV. I love him. I love him. I mean, he's going late here because of the eight category element to these uh, early ADPs we're checking out. But he was at 15 and 11 with a little over a block, half a three, 59% from the field, can actually be better at the free throw line, and was just super consistent all year long for a Memphis team that's going to need him to do that again. So if he's there at 60, which is basically where you're at at this point, 58. Oh, yeah, scoop him up. Draymond Green at 59. Uh, he, was, he was much worse than that this last year. Draymond Green was 86, but, of course, you know, he's going to care this year. Um, 
I'm, I'm good with taking him near 60. I think this is a pretty reasonable spot for him, hoping for a bounce-back year. He's one of your other guys on the board where you're like, well, if he really puts his butt into it, he could be a third-round guy. We've seen him do it before, but his percentages and his effort are just going to have to be a lot better than they were this last season. And I don't know how much you can expect of him. They, he, you know, they, they had those long years. Last year was kind of an off year, so maybe we'll have the energy in the tank to go get him. But you are, I mean, you are rolling the dice a little bit. And again, this is why I think you need to be so cautious through the first three or four rounds is because now all of a sudden you're the end of the fifth, beginning of the sixth round. You have an opportunity to take some chances on guys that could be a second or third round pick or value. Number 60 is CJ McCollum. This is where you go if you've already taken a chance in an, in an earlier round. And you're like, well, I got to make sure I lock in a late fifth, early sixth round guy who's going to give me 22 points a game, four boards, four assists, you know, some portion of a steal, a portion of a block, and he's not going to crush me in any one thing. And then you've got CJ. And we'll do more of this on tomorrow's show. I, we're not going to stop at number 60. There's There's some really interesting stuff here over the next 20 or 30 spots uh, in terms of where guys are going based on the information we have right now. And that'll probably be, you know, barring, we'll talk a little bit about the draft and review on tomorrow's show, but barring a giant trade or other big news break, uh, tomorrow I think we'll probably really work on the ADP stuff. And then Friday, it's run up to free agency. So we might even, we might do Friday's show a little bit later in the day if uh, let it get, I think free agency starts, what, around... Is it noon Pacific or is it three? Some, there's a three o'clock somewhere in there, and I can't remember if it was three Eastern or three Pacific that uh, the trade deadline starts on Friday. So we might put out Friday's weekend show a little bit later get some free agency stuff going. Uh, but again, tomorrow we'll keep diving into the ADP stuff. Reminder, folks, hoop ball leagues are open. Hit me up if you want to be a part of those. We already gave you the email. Uh, it's teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com, at Dan Vespers on Twitter. And do go get your fantasy pass. Get those dynasty ranks. Get your punt strategy guide. Get your draft uh, analysis, not your fantasy draft, real draft analysis. Those guys are working really hard to get you info if you're someone not like me who actually will draft a rookie every once in a while or wants to know what these rookies going into different spots do to the players that are already there. They've got it. If you're wondering what some of these trades mean for fantasy values of guys, they've already updated that in the draft guide. Panda and team killing it. $4.99 a month. Go get it. Go get it. $4.99 a month. Power the hoop ball locomotive. That's nothing. It's $4.99 a month. I could save $4.99 in the next two days changing my habits in any one small way. Like, I'm going to, instead of ordering in, I'll just go have them bring it out curbside. Save $4.99 on delivery and tip. Boom. You got yourself a hoop ball fantasy pass, draft guide, B150, and more. That's all you got to do, folks, and that's how you can really help us here at HoopBall. I know you're like, I'm just one person, but if everybody listening to this podcast did what I just said, HoopBall would be so much stronger for the next year and be able to grow so much. $4.99 a month, Fantasy Pass. Get it now. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. Back at you first thing tomorrow with more ADP data. Toodaloo. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.